All right, on tonight, we want to get a scripture reading before us, and it's going to be found in Matthew 6 and 6. We're going to start with verse 6, and we're going to go down through verse 8. Everybody, hopefully you have your Bibles with you. Amen. Everybody, everybody, uh, as we go through the book of Revelation, we're hoping that you will get your Bibles and read along with uh, me so you can say you read it for yourself. Amen. I may not be able to find it, but I know it's in them. <laughs> Amen. Matthew, the sixth chapter <clears throat> and the sixth uh, verse says, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to the father that is in secret and the father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of. Before you ask him, my God, he already knows. He already knows the things that we have need of before we even ask. And certainly it takes faith. It takes faith, amen, to pray, amen, and expect things to happen, amen. And certainly things don't happen in our own time it happens in God's time. Amen. And just after that, God began to give them the model prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thou will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Many times individuals, uh, they want God to handle his stuff uh, up there in heaven. But let me have my will down here in earth. And <laughs> no, that's not the prayer. Uh, let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And certainly we need God all over, all over our lives and all over our plans. And we need to yield our will unto him. All right. We want to encourage each and every one of you saints of new grace. Join us. Join us every Tuesday, uh, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. for prayer. Amen. Our prayer line is open at that time. Uh, that number is 725-735-9254. Uh, 725-735-9254. Amen. If there's an ever time, an ever time that we should pray, we are encouraging you to pray now. Amen. There's so much happening, so much going on. Uh, in the world, and certainly we need individuals that know and have a relationship with God. Amen. Can open their mouth and God can respond. Amen. And certainly our model prayers, Lord, let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Uh, let your way be done, Lord Jesus, but send your protection. Amen. Send your, uh, your lead and your guide. Let it be with us. Direct us. Amen. Through the days that we have to face. And certainly we know the Lord is soon to come. Amen. And I don't want to bow out of this thing at the last minute, but I want to see God's face in peace. All right. We want to encourage each and every one of you to vote, to vote, to vote. 
I believe we're just about now three weeks, three weeks um, time left. Amen. Vote. Make a plan. Let your voice be heard. Exercise. Exercise your right. Amen. And we want to encourage each and every one of you saints. Uh, let us uh, remain faithful. Uh, stay saved. Stay saved. This is not the time to stray. Uh, this is not the time to wonder. This is not the time to become distracted. We have been talking about um, Jesus lets us know in his word in these times, people's minds will be deceived. Amen. And certainly if there's every time people's minds are deceived, we certainly uh, are experiencing that right now. Amen. So let us not be deceived. God is not mocked. Come on, somebody. Everything he said, everything is promised. It's coming to pass. Stay saved. Amen. Keep the course. Amen. Don't be weary in well-doing. Amen. For God shall come. Amen. He will come. He that will come shall come and he will not tarry. Amen. So don't be weary in well-doing. Amen. Each and every one of us, we want to encourage each and every one of you to be vigilant those things, I know there's a lot of fatigue when it comes down to this pandemic. People want to get back to uh, normal. It's been so long, it's almost hard to even imagine what normal is anymore. I believe we'll go back to a new normal when the time is right. But I want to encourage uh, each and every one of you, don't become fatigued. Do the things that you know that you need to do. Uh, this virus is highly contagious and it is deadly. Amen. And certainly uh, let us follow the guidelines of the CDC, follow the guidelines of our governor here in the state of Michigan. And when it comes down to uh, public gatherings and even um, private gatherings. Amen. So there's some more guidelines that have been coming out concerning that as we rounding around to the holidays, people are thinking about getting the family together and seeing loved ones and things, but you have to be cautious. And we want to encourage each and every one of you, let us remain vigilant. Amen. All right. With that said, we do want to give our children an opportunity, a safe opportunity to uh, celebrate Halloween. We are going to have a trunk or treat, a trunk or treat that is going to be held at the church so your children will be able to come with their costumes on uh, and uh, we will have uh, treats there for them. Uh, be an opportunity will be set up in the parking lot. Everything will be uh, open. Amen. Certainly we're going to get this event in uh, early so it will be light out. But it will be an opportunity for you to see your brother or your sister from a distance it's still a distancing uh, event, but we will have a trunk or treat. We will have treats uh, available for our kids. We don't want them to miss out. Amen. And certainly we're going to make every effort that we can uh, that they uh, will enjoy themselves uh, this Halloween and do it in a safe manner. So we will be having that event in the church parking lot and you'll be getting details uh, as we go along, and certainly we want to encourage each and every one of you. Uh, you all know how we do. We uh, donate 
um, uh, candy and we will be buying candy as well for our youth. And we want to see that this is a blessing for them. Amen. And I want to thank each and every one of you, as you all know, on um, last, well, Saturday before last, I um, celebrated uh, my birthday. It was last Saturday, October 10th. I celebrated my birthday. Uh, God allowed me to see 58 years, 58 years. He has saw fit uh, to uh, let me see uh, this year, and I'm certainly uh, glad and grateful for that. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for sending your cards, uh, your um, blessings, those that uh, blessed with monetary gifts, those that blessed with uh, cards and words of expression, messages, texts, all that you have done and shared uh, with me. I am so appreciative. I am so thankful. God bless you. Thank you. I thank God for Elder Oscar Roberts and Evangelist Tracy Arrington, who uh, preached for us uh, so eloquently and powerfully. Uh, the last couple Sundays gave me a little bit of time off that I didn't have to uh, prepare for a Sunday sermon. So we thank God uh, for all those that helped out in me celebrating my birthday. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And may God bless you. All right. We're going to get back tonight. We want to get back to Revelation, get back to Revelation. You all know that we're in Revelation, uh, the 13th chapter, and we are witnessing. We are witnessing. And we've been, uh, when we first started Revelation, we were going through and we were getting through pretty quick. Now, uh, we had went through the seven uh, trumpets and then we went through the seven um, uh, bowls or vials that were being poured out. Uh, and then uh, we have we came back to deal with great Babylon, uh, the mother of harlots, taking us back to uh, where it all started. The, uh, we we uh, dealt with the true church and now we're talking about the false church. And we see here in Revelation um, uh, 13, verse one, we had beast number one that was released from the sea. And then in uh, Revelation 13 and 11, the second beast that was released uh, from the earth. And we certainly know this is what we're dealing with is a, 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 san, a satanic trinity. Uh, Satan himself is the head of it. He will always be the head. He is the arch enemy of us all. Amen. And we certainly know beast number one that was in uh, Revelation 13 and 1 is the political leader and beast number two that was released. Uh, we saw show up in Revelation 13 and 11 is the false prophet or the false church. All of these working together as one, uh, deceiving the people. Amen. And certainly um we need to be aware of what's happening. This puts us right in smack uh, in where we are as far as our current events. We can see, and I hope that you all can see some parallels, some things that we're reading that we're actually seeing coming to pass right now. Amen. And certainly if you miss some of this, 
go back, go back. All of our Bible classes are recorded and catch up with us, catch up with us, stick with us because we are sharing some pertinent information. Uh, I believe that's uh, timely uh, for the church because certainly we don't want to be deceived. Uh, the disciples asked, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Jesus said, see that no man deceive you. False prophets are going to come. The first two signs he gave them in Matthew 24 was deception and deception. He goes on down and shares deception four times more than anything else. Earthquakes, uh, divers, uh, a pestilence in the land, uh, um, uh, false doctrines and uh, wars and rumors of war. He shares deception more than anything else. And certainly he uh, gives us what we need to be warned. Amen. Because our minds, we don't want them to be deceived. All right. And we're going to pick up where we left off. All right, we're going to deal with the image of the beast and this number of a man, 666. All right, uh, let's go to Revelation to 13. Revelation 13. And we're going to pick up right there at verse 15. As we're dealing with this image, this image, and we're going to see uh, what the uh, beast, this false church, Remember now, we're dealing with the second beast uh, that was introduced in uh, verse 11, and we're seeing what he's up to, amen, certainly trying to deceive the people. All right, look what it says. It says in Revelation 13 and 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. My God. So we see here uh, this second beast is now pointing, pointing individuals to the first beast, uh, the image of the first beast. Something is being set up. It's coming into play right now. We're going to study it. Amen. An image of the first beast that they might worship it. Now, this is the false prophet. They think uh, that they're worshiping God. In, in actuality, uh, they are worshiping Satan. All right? So this religious system is being set up, pointing to the governmental system, my God, and telling them that through the government is the way uh, to be saved. This is the way to God. All right. So, but we certainly know uh, that this is a beast empire system that's being set up. It's controlled and being run by the devil, Satan himself. All right. Now, what is he doing? When we look here, it says, and he had power to give life. Uh, that word life can be interpreted breath. And anytime you have breath, you can use spirit. Uh, can be certainly interjected as well. Uh, breath, life, spirit, uh, to the image of the first beast, all right? 
So what is Satan trying to do? Well, we go back to what we've been saying before. He's trying to copy God. Just as God is a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all of these three are one. We are dealing with a satanic trinity, all right? It's head by Satan himself, and we have beast number one and beast number two, and all of those three are one, headed by Satan himself, all right? So just as God has a true bride, amen, and certainly we are the bride of Christ, a chaste aversion, those that are holy and acceptable unto him. Satan has a false bride, amen? Uh, we saw her in Revelation 17. John said, my mouth dropped open when I saw her uh, because she certainly didn't look like uh, what she was. <laughs> my God, because when John saw her, he said, my mouth fell open. I couldn't realize it. Uh, she's a false bride. She's a prostitute. She's the mother of harlots. Amen. And certainly, so just as God has a true bride, uh, Satan has a false bride. So he's copying God and he's creating this image to put it anywhere God's image already exists. So what is he trying to do? Everywhere God uh, those that belong to God, he's creating his image because now he wants to erase God's image and replace it with his image. Now, this goes way back to when he wanted to ascend into the seat of God and he was kicked out. You all remember that. Jesus said, I saw him fall as lightning. Amen. He said, Jesus said, God said, my glory, I'm not going to share with another. He was lifted up. He's Lucifer, the angelic, uh, beautiful uh, angelic being, uh, saw what praise meant to God. And he was all the praise. And he decided that he was going to ascend into the seat of God. And ever since that time, he's been kicked out. He's been trying to take over God's kingdom. And since he cannot take over God's kingdom, he said, uh, you know, Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are what? They're not going to prevail against it. Satan, you'll never get your hand on my bride. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to copy. He's trying to mimic. He know God has a perfect plan. So he's going to try to copy everything God does. So now he's creating this image that is to, he wants to replace the image of God. All right. We ask the question, does God have an image? Does God have an image? All right. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Guess what? We are the image of of God. All right. Uh, we find that in Genesis, the first chapter. Uh, we're recapping just a little bit here. All right. We are created in God's image. You all remember uh, God said, let us make man. We find that in Genesis, the first chapter. Hoping that you all will go along with me. Genesis, the first chapter, everything is being backed up by scripture. Everything is being backed up by scripture. 
All right. You can read it for yourself. What does he say? Genesis, the first chapter, uh, verse 26 and 27. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping and living thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. All right. And in the image of God created he him male and female created he them. So he created both male and female in his image. We are the image bearers of God. Amen. Now I want to, and I'm throwing this in free uh, because he said, let us, he was talking to the feminine side of himself, which is the church. All right. The church is what? The bride of Christ. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. It was going to take two things. All right. When he created man, male and female, he created them in his image. But he said nothing about likeness. All right. So it takes the church. We're created in the image of God. But when we're born into the church, that's when we take off these things. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Don't be conformed to the world, but let us be transformed by the what? Renewing of our mind. It's when we come into the church that we learn to have the likeness of God. It was going to take two things. All right. And we found that in Ephesians, uh, the first chapter. Ephesians, the first chapter, verses one, I'm sorry, Ephesians, the first, cha first chapter, verses four through six. He said, according as he hath chosen us in him, what? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to who? Himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Amen. So what is Paul saying in the scripture? He chose us, the church, in him. All right, even before the foundation of the world. Come on, somebody. My God. So he said, let us. It was going to take two things. God creating man in his image and the church conforming. Come on, somebody. Making us in the likeness of him. Amen. So there's no wonder. There's no wonder if we can speak those things as not as though they were. If God chose us before the foundation of the world, it's no wonder that he would speak to us even before we were created. My God, because we can do the same thing he did. We can speak those things that are not as though they were. All right. So Satan, dragon, the, the dragon, he is creating. He's copying God. All right. Uh, we are the image bearers of God. All right. Just as there are three parts to him, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three are one. There's three parts to each and every one of us, body, soul, and spirit. All of us is one <laughs> until God decides to take us out of here and this old body goes back to the dust. Uh, we, we've heard all of that and the spirit goes back to God that gave it. Uh, the soul goes back to the abundance of life. Amen. And certainly, but all of us, we're one body, soul, and spirit. So what is he doing? He's copying. He wants to copy the thing that God, uh, the place that God dwells on the inside of each and every one of us. It's in this image that God dwells. Amen. It's in this image. All right. The Bible says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him. How? You got to have his spirit on the inside of you. And this is the thing that Satan now is trying to copy. I talked about when a woman has a child, uh, that child bears the image of the woman that had it. It comes out of her. It's birthed out of her. All right. And nothing bears the image of a woman than her daughter. Amen. Certainly, uh, it made me think about it when I was uh, saw um, my godchild, a little uh, Brookie, some years ago. Uh, she was in a wedding and she had her flowers and she was all dressed up uh, for the ceremony. And her father posted the picture and I looked at her and immediately I said, wow, she's beautiful, just like her mom. She's going to grow up. Uh, to look just like her mother, Erica. Now, um, Chase also bears the image of his mother, uh, but Chase is growing into a man. Nobody can bear the image more uh, than little Brookie because she's growing up into a woman to be just like her mother. All of that information is in her, all right? And she's going to bear the uh, the image of her mother because that's where she came. She came out of her mother. And so we need to understand that the devil, he wants to dwell in us. Uh, if we are the image bearers of Christ, what does he want to do? He wants to replace that image that reflects Christ and turns it into an image that reflects him. My God. All right. So uh, Satan, he wants to enter into you. Amen. And we said after uh, you all remember when we were reading about Judas and it was uh, John that asked Jesus, who is it that would betray him? Jesus said the one when after I dip and give the sop to, they would dip the bread and pass it. Uh, and he dipped it and passed it right to Judas. All right. Judas was in the favorite seat. You never would have thought, never would have known, <laughs> uh, but he was the son of perdition, the one that would portray Jesus. But the scripture says, uh, when Jesus handed him the sop, the devil entered into him. So the devil wants to enter in uh, to people, and certainly he wants to enter into each and every one of us, all right? And when the devil entered into Jesus. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> Lord have mercy. When the devil entered into Judas, 
he no longer bared the image of God. Whose image did he bear? Satan. Satan that entered into him. And that's when Jesus said, uh, Judas, it's better if you had not ever been born. What's going to happen to you now? You no longer bear my image, but you bear the image of Satan. My God. So why does Satan want to um, get his image into each and every one of us? Because he wants to, uh, he wants to, his self to be seen through us. All right. He wants us to do his bidding. He wants to use us for his image. All right. He wants to express himself through us. My God. And certainly we likened it unto that desire of lust and rape a man uh, when he forces himself into a woman. Uh, it's, it's a lust and uh, self-gratification. It's an evil thing. Uh, and we talked about how if there's a child as a result of that rape, you know, um, that child will always bear the image of the rapist that put the seed there. My God. And I know there's individuals say, you know, I don't believe and this is what I'm saying. This is right where we are, we are right now. Abortion. I don't believe in no abortion, even in the case of rape. Well, uh, God hasn't led me that way. I'm not that cold hearted. Now, I've seen it happen. God has to deal uh, with that mother uh, because every time she uh, ministers to that child, takes care of that child, rock that child, feed that child. She has to look at the image of the rapist that put that seed in her. I'm always, I'm always um, in favor of whatever uh, the mother wants to do. Because I understand people, they, you know, they, they want to, they want to be so hard. I don't believe in abortion. Listen, if God can deal with your heart and your mind and you can deal with that situation, and I've seen it happen, the mother and the child have a loving a relationship and there's no regrets, my God. And then there's others that just can't bear that. And they decide that they do not want to have that child. And people just, when, you, when you're not looking at it from an, uh, uh, putting yourself, having empathy and putting yourself in that position, You'll never know the hurt to see that child bear the image of the person that put that seed there. That's a wound that can never uh, hardly be healed except God intervene in that situation. All right. So what is a seed? A seed is information. My God. And that's all it is. A seed has information. Uh, if you plant it uh, into the earth uh, and with the nutrients of the ground and Job said with the scent of water, uh, have some moisture. Amen. Certainly that seed grows and it bears the image of the information that it contains. 
That's why you don't plant an apple seed and you get a pear. Or you don't uh, plant a pear seed and you get an apple. Because when that information is is uh, brought to fruition, it bears the fruit that the information says that it is. All right? All right, so both men and women, we both contain information. Amen. We call it DNA. DNA. All right, that's information. Uh, we talked about the fact that if you had a computer, if you bought a, uh, a MacBook Pro and you, um, you weighed it when you first bought it, and it weighs 6.7 pounds, and, and you can load it up with all kinds of information. I, I mean, everything you can think of. Uh, you know, it can have a, a terabyte hard drive, and you can fill it all the way up. Uh, you have drastically changed uh, the working capacity of that computer, but if you weigh it again, it still weighs 6.7 pounds. You have put nothing into it, just information. Come on, somebody. Uh, I can give the example if we weighed people before they received the Holy Spirit. You have drastically changed. Uh, somebody said, I looked at my hands and my hands look new. I didn't have that experience, but uh, my hands certainly don't do what they used to do. Uh, the, it has drastically changed whose image when you receive the Holy Spirit, you drastically change whose image now uh, I portray. Come on, somebody. My God, now I'm an image bearer of God. But I guarantee you, if you jump on the scale, you still weigh the same. <laughs> so what is it? It's information. It's information. All right. And from the very beginning, the very beginning uh, Satan downloaded the bad information, the wrong information into Adam and to, into Eve. All right. Um, what do you mean, pastor? Well, you all remember when, uh, God took Adam through the garden and he showed him all of the fruit bearing trees. Uh, he said, but this tree here, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't mess with it. Don't don't uh, do anything. Uh, don't consume it. Don't touch it. Don't desire it. My God. And certainly uh, it was Eve that was deceived. Uh, that's the first thing she said. Uh, Satan deceived me. Amen. And certainly that's the beginning. He has to get you to believe something that God said not to do is all right to do. So what did he say? You shouldn't, you're not going to surely die. Come on, somebody. So he deceived her. And what did she do? She ate seed. Ah, my God. When she picked that fruit off of the tree, she ate seed. I forgot my prop on tonight, but if you take an apple and you cut it in half, and you go right down uh, that core, when you open it up, you, you not only have the apple, but in that core, you can see seed. Fruit has 
seed. We have seed, flour have seed, meal have seed, strawberry, if you eat strawberries, my goodness, anybody ever looked at those little uh, um, uh, seed, the little fur that grows on the side of a strawberry? That's all seed. Everything contains seed. My God. And so from the very beginning, the very beginning, Satan downloaded the wrong information into both Adam and Eve because they both ate. Come on, somebody. My God, if you eat watermelon, it has seed. Even if you get the seedless watermelon, it has seed. My God, everything that we consume have seed. And when uh, God came into the garden, they heard God coming and they hid themselves. Come on, somebody. And God said, Adam, where art thou? And he had to explain, come on, somebody, my God, that they had consumed that fruit that was not for them. They had got the wrong seed in them. And they hid themselves from God. They had a perfect relationship. God had to ask him, who told you you were naked? My God, the wrong information. So we got this seed war. Um, a lot of things, even when we went back to the great Babylon, uh, we go back to Genesis. Things that happened in Genesis are being resolved all the way in Revelation. When we're reading Revelation, it sends us back to Genesis. <laughs> this is the root. This is the beginning of it. This is how it all got started. The great Babylon. We had to go back to Nimrod. Come on, somebody. This seed war. We got to go back to the Garden of Eden. Those things that happened from the very beginning, God is resolving them and bringing them to the end in Revelation. All right. So when a man consummates his marriage with his wife, all right, there is a seed, a seed that is produced, all right? And if the wife has a child, it's going to bear the image of the uh, person that put the seed there. My God, I talked about no one can bear my image more than Avery the fourth. He's the only begotten of this father that I know of. <laughs> Amen. My God. Um, yes, Jennifer bears my image. Madison bears my image. Uh, but Avery the fourth, he's growing into a man and there's nobody uh, that can bear my image more than him. Come on, somebody. My God. So what did I have to do? I had to download information into my wife that she might bear a someone she might bear a child that has my image. <laughs> he will always bear my image. And aren't you all glad it don't go the other way? <laughs> my God. Uh, I remember many times my wife shares information with me. I mean, even it's something as simple as a grocery list. Uh, my wife, uh, you, you can, you, I can feel her looking at me. 
And I, auto, I get defensive right away. What? <laughs> what? That ain't the information I gave you. So when I share my seed with her, uh, it contains all the information and she bears a child that has my image. My God. Has anybody ever uh, looked at a sperm, a sperm cell? Uh, through a magnifying glass or something that you've seen on TV. Uh, there's nothing but DNA and chromosomes. It's nothing but information. All right. And this is that same information that Satan wants to download into each and every one of us. All right. So Satan now... He's setting up his image, all right? And this image is what he's going to use that people will bow down unto him, that he will control um, others just by the use of his image. And anyone that does not comply will be killed, all right? All right, so what is this image? What is this image that he's setting up? It's the mark of the beast. It's the mark of the beast. And that's why we have the two witnesses, uh, Moses and Elijah, saying, don't take his mark in your head or in your hands, because once you take on his image, you can never be saved. Anybody that bears the image of the beast is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. All right, this is not the image of God, and this has been his aim from the very beginning, uh, is to get his image in us. Now, remember, the Antichrist, he's going to set up this temple, and he's going to sit on the throne and declare that he is God. All right? Um, and a lot of times, and, and this is where... Uh, people, they don't, they miss this. Uh, does God have a temple? Now, remember, that's just a temple of stone. Where is God's temple? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God? This is the temple. He wants to control. This is the temple that he wants to dwell in. My God, this is the ultimate plan of the enemy to have something in us that will control us. All right. That we might bear his image, not the image of God. Amen. It's not the beast himself. Come on, somebody. But something that an image of him that he will use to control us, to dictate to us, to tell us, come on somebody, he wants to control everybody. And in, during this time, in the tribulation period, he will ultimately do just that because those that will not take his mark will be killed. They'll be starved to death because you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. That's his monetary system to control what's bought and sold. You won't be able to do that. 666 is his mark. Amen. That's his monetary system that he will use to control everything, all of the comments. 
You won't be able to buy. You won't be able to sell. And anybody that does not take his mark, you either you either are starved to death, or you are put to death by beheading. All right. So this image thinks like him. It acts like him. Come on, somebody. Um, it looks like him. Uh, people ask the question, well, is it a stature? Uh, is it a computer? Uh, just what is it? Is it artificial intelligence? Uh, and certainly I believe that the Bible gives us a pattern. It gives us a pattern. And that's what prophecy is all about. Types and patterns. Amen. Just as Judas was a type of Antichrist, I believe God gives us patterns that will let us know of the things that are going to happen uh, in the end time. All right. Nebuchadnezzar, he created an image. Um, not it wasn't he himself, but it was something that uh, bared his image. It looked like him and it was something that he could use to control the people. My God. All right, let's go to Daniel, the third chapter. Everybody should have your Bible, the Daniel, the third chapter. Daniel, the third chapter, and I'm going to try not to run out of time on tonight. Um, the Bible uh, is giving us a pattern. It's giving us a pattern. All right that we can compare to the Antichrist. Daniel, the third chapter, verses one through seven, it says what? Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose weight was what? Three score cubits and the breadth thereof was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes and the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providences to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king set up. <clears throat> then the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the providences, provinces, were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, you know the herald, hear ye, hear ye. Uh, he says, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye uh, fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall, be, uh, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, since uh, it is a fact at th that time, when all the people heard the sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. My God, 
So is the Bible then giving us a pattern? Is it giving us a pattern of the Antichrist? I believe it is. All right. So the height of that statue was 60 cubits. All right. The breadth was six cubits. Now, uh, for my math students out there, you know, when you got a square, uh, that's all you have to do is find the measurement of one side because you know the next uh, side is going to be the same. It's a square. All right. And if you're going to figure the area, that's all you need is the measurement of one side of it. So the breadth means the width and the length. All right. So it's 60 cubits high. It's six cubits wide and it's six cubits deep. So what do we have? We have six, six, six. And if that ain't enough sixes for you, uh, all of the instruments, there were six instruments that were named in this passage of scripture that we have read. All right, so prophecy is all about types and patterns, uh, metaphors, uh, the... Um, uh, the different views that we shared in a slide, um, the Petrus, I believe it was the Petrus view. Uh, everything is an allegory. It's a picture of something to come to tell a story. All right. So uh, just as Judas was a type of Antichrist, I believe that Nebuchadnezzar is a pattern of things to come concerning the Antichrist. All right. What did the Hebrew boys say? Now, most people, uh, when they heard the music, they bowed. But what did the Hebrew boys say? I'd rather go in that furnace and burn up than to bear your image. Come on, somebody. If we go in that fiery furnace and die, at least we'll die bearing the image of our God. <laughs> they knew. They knew. There's no way. There's no way, Nebuchadnezzar, that I'm going to bear your image. My God. And they say, and if he don't do it, at least we'll bear his image. Come on, somebody. At least there'll be some hope for us. But the last thing we'll do is bow down and take on your image. All right, let us go back and revisit this. Let's go to Revelation, back to Revelation, the 13th chapter. I believe this is a pattern that the Bible is giving us. A pattern, not the only one. And we'll go over quite a few of them on tonight. Revelation, the 13th chapter and the 15th verse, and it says, and he had power. He had power to give life. That word life can be interpreted uh, breath, breath, wind, spirit. Come on, somebody, it could all be interpreted the same. He's giving life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not <clears throat> worship the image of the beast should be killed. Come on, somebody. Uh, that word life, interpreted breath, spirit. He's able to now, he's 
uh, has been given authority to give life, a breath, spirit to the image of the first beast. Come on, somebody. The Bible said God formed man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into his nostril the breath of life. And what man became a living soul. Amen. All right. So how did God get his image in us? How did God get his image in us? Let's go to John. Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. Now we can afford to go a little bit fast here because you can always go back and uh, reread this, restudy this. It's, it will be recorded and it will be on the church's Facebook page. John, the 20th chapter. The Bible says he breathed into us. My God, John, the 20th chapter, gospel according to John 21 and 22. Have it say, man. Then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you as my father hath sent me. Even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. My God. So how did he get his image into us? He breathed on us. David said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin. Did my mother conceive me? I came here with the wrong information. But thank God he breathed on me. Come on, somebody. And he changed my DNA. All right. That breath. When did that come, uh, Pastor? When did that happen? Uh, I don't remember Jesus breathing on me. The Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. All right. You all remember that in Acts 2. And they were all in one court in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. What was it? A Russian mighty wind, breath, life, spirit. Come on, somebody. Uh, that's when he breathed on you, when you received the Holy Spirit. All right. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were what? Filled. Acts 2 and 1. Come on, somebody. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? What was the um, what was the evidence? They began to speak with other tongues. Being filled with the Holy Spirit don't mean you're down to a half a pack of cigarettes a day. He changes you. Come on, somebody. The things that I used to do, he loaded his information into me. It drastically changed my life. And now I bear his image. Not the old image I came here with. Anybody glad for that? Anybody can shout hallelujah. <clears throat> All right. So they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. And that's what he said uh, back in Revelation 
uh, 13 and 15, this beast has been given authority uh, to give life to the image. Come on, somebody. Well, what did he do when he, he, he breathed on us? And what did he do? He gave us life. And that life we began to speak. Uh, and that's what it says in Revelation. Um, let's go back. Revelation uh, 13. Revelation 13 and 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak. My God. When he breathed on us, come on somebody, and we were received the Holy Spirit, what happened? What was the evidence? We began to speak with other tongues. This is what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to copy God. He wants to get his image in you so you no longer bear the image of God, but you bear the image of him. My God. Each and every one of us, you know our day of Pentecost came. Somebody said, I got it on a Sunday. I got it on a Monday. We all have different Pentecosts when God breathed on us. I got it on a Tuesday night. I got it on a Wednesday night. I got it on a Thursday night. I got it on a Friday night. Come on, somebody. My God, when he breathed his life into each and every one of us, I got it on a Friday, Saturday. Somebody said, I didn't get it when you got it, but I got it. Amen. But there's going to come a day. There's going to come a time. Uh, we all have different days of Pentecost when the day of Pentecost had fully had come. But there's going to come a time where we all going to share that same day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost means 50. It means 50. And after uh, that 7,000 years of the first day and the 7,000 years of the second day, the 7,000 years of the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the 7,000 years of the sixth day in which we're now living, come on somebody, my God, and then the uh, 7,000 uh, years of the tribulation period uh, when God um, um, puts an end to all of this that we're dealing with. He sets up his uh, millennial kingdom and uh, even after that, there will be peace on this earth. Then we go into the seventh day, and that's 7,000 years. Come on, somebody. So we got seven times seven, which is what? 49,000 years God is dealing with mankind. But after that, there is going to be what? 50,000 years. A day of Pentecost that we'll all share. Come on, somebody. My God. And I have it on record by our apostolic father, uh, Bishop G.T. Haywood. He said that's going to be a Pentecost of all Pentecosts. <laughs> and uh, Bishop Haywood also shared in his writing, he said, and what's after that? Who knows? 
Isn't that something to have a great man like uh, uh, Bishop G.T. Haywood uh, speaking about the things of the scriptures? And he says, after the day of Pentecost, with all of the knowledge and the revelation uh, that God given unto him, he said, when we share that common day of Pentecost, after 50,000 years, he said, who knows what God has in store? We'll, we'll be kings and priests. Come on, somebody. My God. And we will rule with him. All right. So God put himself in us that we might bear his image. Amen. Each and every one of us, we are the image bearers of God. He puts his mark uh, on us. Amen. And he is controlling us. Come on, somebody. Uh, he says what? Uh, take my yoke upon me, on you. He said, my yoke is easy. And what? My burdens are light. So that Holy Ghost is controlling us, keeping us into subjection. Come on, somebody. Somebody said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. You couldn't do that on your own. That takes the Holy Spirit to do that. Come on, somebody. My God. So we must maintain the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because anybody that does not bear his image will be thrown into the lake of fire. And I'm reminding you again, when Satan had entered into Judas, Jesus said, Judas, what's going to happen to you now? It had been better if you hadn't been born, you no longer bear my image, but you bear the image of Satan. And it had been better if you had not been born. My God. Now, look, uh, saints, if we think about this, having this image, having this chip, this supercomputer, uh, if, if it worked the right way, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, just, just bear along with me for a moment. Just, let's think about it. Uh, if it was this RFID chip, you know, uh, people are getting this chip right now. As we speak, people bear, they have this uh, chip in them, already inserted in them. All right. It's called a radio frequency identification. Radio frequency identification, RFID. All right. Uh, embedded in our heads or in our hands. All right. It's hooked to a supercomputer that knows everything about us. It controls your thoughts. It controls your actions. Come on, somebody. Uh, this is not nothing that we're talking about. That's fiction. This is happening right now. Employers are embedding chips in their employees so they'll know when you showed up to work. They'll know if you uh, called in sick and you weren't sick because they'll say, you know, by all your vital signs, your temperature was normal, your breathing was normal, your heart rate was normal, and all that time you said you was in bed, <laughs> they got all the information they need. Uh, when you show up on campus, you can get it through security because you got the chip. Uh, you can go to um, the cafeteria and get your lunch because you have the chip. You don't have to worry about money. 
Hello, somebody. It's a cashless society, all right? Um, in many countries, military individuals have already got this chip. They're trying to create the ultimate warrior, if you will. Come on, somebody. My God, something that will control the soldiers. Uh, know where they are. Tell them when to advance. Tell them to retreat. All right. FedEx has this on their trucks. Uh, United Partial Service got this on their trucks. The postal system got this on their trucks. They know exactly where those trucks are. Sometimes they got millions of dollars worth of, uh, of goods on those trucks. You think they're going to lose them trucks? I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, they have RFID, radio frequency identification systems, a chip in those vehicles that they know exactly where they are at a moment's time. All right. Dogs have them implanted in them. Some parents have had them implanted in uh, their children. Some of you already have it. It's not embedded, but you're wearing it. It's your Apple Watch. It's your Fitbit. Come on, somebody. And they're becoming more sophisticated. My God, you can't tell uh, your employer if they had access to your Apple Watch while I tossed and turned all night. They said, no. Compare, your, your watch is telling me you, you were in REM sleep all night long. <laughs> I told you about the man. He was convicted of killing his wife. Because the story he gave is, well, I was in bed sleep when this was going on. Well, they got access to his Fitbit or Apple Watch or whatever he was wearing. And they said, man, your heart rate was at so-and-so and so-and-so at this hour. That's probably about the time you was cutting up your wife or digging a shallow grave for her. He got convicted of murder. <laughs> I'm sure the other evidence uh, was was brought to uh, bear. The watch he was wearing. That technology is getting greater and greater. They have now. You can put your put your uh, your finger on two uh, probes, and you can get a medical grade EKG hooked to your phone. Come on, somebody. So the technology is there, and it has a, a lot of good, uh, good things. What about uh, if you, if we all were chipped, uh, there'd be no more crime because they know where you are all the time. Come on, somebody. Somebody say if you're gonna do some crime today, don't take your car, don't, don't take your phone, uh, certainly don't don't wear your Apple Watch, don't take your iPad. They know where all that stuff is at all times. But if the chip is in you, we know where everybody's at. Come on, somebody. Uh, the chip is used to monitor. You can't do. You can't buy or sell without the chip. It has to go through the computer, all right? There will be no tax evasion. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we'll know how much money you made, how many transactions you had, all right? We'll know all about your financial transactions. There will be no more kidnapping. The computer knows where everybody's at at all times. You can't lose your kids. Come on, somebody. You can't get lost yourself. Um, 
Uh, this system would control the whole world. It's not just a question of the technology. It's a question of who's controlling the technology. Ah, my God. Because the person that controls the technology controls everybody, controls everything. Come on, somebody. Uh, you would have to adhere to if there was a, and you all know we're going to a one world government, there will be one religion. You would have to adhere to all of those things of the new world order. Come on, somebody. Um, uh, let's think about the medical benefits of if everybody was chipped. All right. Uh, nobody uh, can die of something that, you know, uh, like an unknown heart condition. Uh, no, the chip will be able to let your doctor know uh, you have an uh, uh, irregular heartbeat. Uh, your chip will let you know uh, if you've taken your medication, if you haven't taken your medication, if you there be no misdiagnosis uh, diag uh, um, diagnosis of your medication because they'll be able to scan the chip and they know what medications you take. There'll be no confusion mixing you up with another patient. All right. Uh, the chip will know your whole medical history. All right. What about heart heart attack? What about dehydration? What about stroke? Uh, the chip will be able to even notify you and notify your doctor. Probably call up uh, emergency and, and say we got a stroke patient. Uh, he's all right to drive now. He's on his way. The chip would know and control everything. Come on, somebody. My God, there will be no more mistakes. No more misdiagnosis because they'll have all the diagnostics on your chip. What's wrong with you? All right. Uh, you can't have anything stole from you. Come on, somebody. Because we'll know who was there. All right. Uh, because of this computer would know. There'll be no more terrorists. How are the terrorists going to buy any guns? You got to have the chip to buy guns, to buy explosives. Come on, somebody. Uh, if you want it, the computer knows exactly where you all are at all times. My God, there will be no more black markets. You're not going to be selling anything up under the table. All right? If you were wanted on the uh, wanted list, FBI most wanted list, the computer knows where you are. You can't hide. All right? There will be no more security issues. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, wouldn't that be heaven on earth? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Because it would depend on who controls the technology. And certainly in this case, if Satan gets his image into us, my God. He will demand that we bow down, bow down unto him, that we beckon to his ever command. Come on, somebody. We'll have to worship his image. He'll know uh, if we did it or not, because the computer sees and knows everything. It controls everything. Come on, somebody. And guess what? We already have this technology. I'm not talking about the chip. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. How many know God knows who you are? 
God knows where you are. God knows what you need. Come on, somebody. Even before we know it ourselves, God already knows it. He has what you need. He'll give you what you need. Come on, somebody. My God, according to his riches and glory, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you. Come on, somebody. We already got the, the chip, the real deal, the Holy Spirit living, dwelling on the inside of us. But God wouldn't manipulate it. Come on, somebody. He, he won't uh, demand uh, that we worship him. What does he do? He gives us choice. He gives us choice. We'll find out in Revelation 14, uh, those that had re been redeemed, they followed the lamb wherever he went. Come on, somebody. God doesn't force us against our will. He says, I set before you life and death. He leaves it up to us. But this will not be the case with the beast. If you don't do what he commands you to do, you will be killed. What is the mark? It is a number of a man. All right, Revelation. Let's go back to Revelation 13. And we're going to go down to 18 now. Uh, we're dealing with this image, and we're dealing with the 666. It is the number of a man. The Bible says this calls for wisdom. All right? Revelation 13. And 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For the number of the beast is a number of a man. I, I added something in there. The number of the beast is the number of a man. And the number is 600, three score, and six. That three score, uh, a score is 20. And when you have three score, two, four, six. All right. So it's six, six, six. All right. That number of the beast is also the number of a man. All right. And in this final hour, there's a seed war going on. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the beast is trying now, remember what I said, it's not as though that um, um, the church is going to be snatched out and all of this stuff is going to start happening. We're in the midst of this right now. It's being the one world order, the one government, the global economy, the deep state. It's in... Uh, process right now. We see this happening. We, we have people that already have the mark, uh, have the chip, the RFID chip embedded in them already. This is in the process right now. All right. So there's a seed war going on. 
Satan is trying to get his image. Remember, they're going to be deceived. They're going to be deceived. They will take his mark gladly and won't even know it because they've been deceived. Here is wisdom. Come on, somebody. Let him that have understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, six, six. This is how you know, this is how you're going to identify this system. It has to do with economics. It has to do with buying and selling. It has to do with politics. It has to do with social geographic systems. It has to do with religious systems. It controls everything. Come on, somebody. Calculate the number of the beast. It is the number of man. This calls for wisdom. And if a man lacks wisdom, what did he do? He has to ask God. Come on, somebody. So in our search, in our search of the scriptures, um, and there's so much out there when it comes down to 666, a lot of people that don't even read the Bible, they know 666. Uh, if you do an Internet search and you put 666 in, you come up with all kinds of possibilities. Uh, but in my search of this 666, uh, this number of the, of the beast is also the number of a man. Um, I figure if God tells us this calls for wisdom, how are we going to go to anything other than him? If a man lacks wisdom and he says right here, here is wisdom, this this is going to cause for this calls for wisdom. Let him that have an understanding count the number of the beast. We know what his number is. For his, uh, it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. All right? Um, in my search and in my researching of this, I began to scour the Bible for 666. Uh, hints, clues, um, types, patterns. My God, that's what prophecy is all about. We've said that before. Uh, I've looked at uh, Gometria, uh, 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 and I have a slide that I want to share with you uh, of um, Gometria. People get carried away with this, but I just want to share it with you because uh, this is something that we have in the Greek and in the Hebrew. Um, Let me get my face up here somewhere. All right. It says this calls for wisdom 666. We have a system called Gemetria, and I'm sure uh, the young people will probably get a kick out of this. Um, it's uh, the Roman numeral is a letter, but it's also a number. All right. So the ancient world, Hebrew and the group, Uh, the Greek, they did not have numerical symbols. Uh, so what did they use? They use letters. So every word is a number. All right. Perfect example is a clock that has Roman numerals on it. Uh, we have the eyed, we have the 
um, the double eye, we have the three eyes, one, two, three, and then we have the um, the one V, which is five minus one, that's four. Five is V, and then you go to six, what is that, V1? And it goes on and on and on. And we know V is 10, all right? So every uh, letter has a number associated so when you spell out a um, a word, it has a numerical value. All right, if you can read my slide here, I got Roman numerals. Numbers are represented by a letter. All right, and I have some of them there. Uh, we have the M, which is 1,000, D, 500, C is 10, L is 50. Now, so these are some of the ones that we will recognize. X is the 10. V is the five, and certainly the I is one. All right, I got two examples here that I can spell out words with um, numeric, um, with um, um, Roman numerals. I got civil and livid. All right, and we I got them both um, uh, worked out here. C is ten. I is one. V equals 5, I is 1, L equals 50. Hopefully you all are following me. All right. And that word civil, it has a numerical value of 67. If you take livid, add up all of its letters, it has a value of 557. So people have been going um, kind of crazy with this. Uh, and trying to figure out uh, gametria. If you were to put 666, what does it come up with? Uh, another slide I want to show you is this one. This is the um, Hebrew alphabet. All right. And in Hebrew, this also can be done in uh, Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Uh, same thing. You can add up the numbers of the alphabet or each uh, letter of the alphabet has a numerical value attached to it. All right. And in uh, if you look at the top line here, it's valve. Um, V-A-V, valve. Uh, in Hebrew, there is no W. They interpret the uh, the W and the V the same. All right. Uh, if you go all the way to the right of that um, top line there, you can see the A, the L, the E, the F are silent. But there is a, a uh, Hebrew alphabet or letter symbol that goes with it. All right. So they say Vav. And then uh, I'm still looking at that fourth one there. And if it says Vav, Vav, Vav. And uh, that's WWW, all right? And a lot of people say, oh, that's the Internet. Uh, that must be what it is, but I don't think uh, that's it. As a matter of fact, uh, there is an um, uh, uh, energy drink. You all remember, I know you all know, those that write, uh, watch uh, UFC 
uh, fighting on TV in the middle of the ring, just about every one of them had that energy drink. And it's, uh, it's like this, vive, vive, vive. Um, I'm not going to give the name of the drink. <laughs> uh, some of you may drink it. Uh, that's 666 if you, if you use Gemetria to figure it out. All right. Uh, the other thing that you need with this is I'm going to share this other slide. Uh, all of those symbols have a value. The value of the Hebrew letters. And people are using, let me get myself on the other side out of the way. Uh, people use this and they take it to extreme trying to figure out um, uh, what is 666, uh, what is Satan. Uh, you can figure out your own name because all of these uh, letters, they come up to a value and then that value can be interpreted. All right. So, but I don't think uh, this is it. But for the young people, I think this is something that you all would... Uh, find interesting to um, uh, research. Um, now, if you do in your browser, if you do 666, you're going to come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't think this is where we need to go because the Bible said, here is wisdom. All right. And if a man lacks wisdom, we got to turn to the scriptures, not what we find out there on the Internet, but just for fun. It's called Gemetria. Uh, G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A. Let me spell that for you again. G-E-M-A-T-R-I-A. There are gametria calculators out there uh, that you can just type in uh, the word and it will give you the numerical value. And that value you can look up um, the uh, meaning of it. Because all of them have every value have a meaning. All right. <clears throat> now, uh, there are those that says man was created on the sixth day. Uh, 666, the number of a man. Uh, seven is Jesus's perfect, God's perfect number. Six is fallen short. All right. <laughs> Eight is the perfect resurrected savior. All right, seven, perfect, God's perfect number. Six has fallen short. They say 666, the number of a man. I don't think uh, that that's it. Uh, I think we need to go to the scriptures uh, and do our due diligence for a search. This calls for wisdom. All right, so where in the Bible, where in the Bible do we find 666? All right, let's go to Daniel, the third chapter. Daniel, the third chapter. As I say, we're kind of going fast, but this is all recorded. You can go back, play it over and over again to your heart's desire. The king of Babylon... He such a, sets up an image to control the people. All right, we're going to read this again because now we're searching the Bible for 666. All right, Daniel 3, 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was what? 
three score cubits. I, uh, uh, a score is 20. Three score is two, four, six. Six, all right? And the breadth thereof, that means it, it's six cubits. All right, he set it up in the plain of Dura and in the providence of Babylon. Now look down at verse five. That at what time you hear the sound of what? The coronet, number one, the flute, number two, the harp, number three, the sackbutt, number four, the psaltery, number five, and the dokimer, number six, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. All right, so the image is 60 cubits high, it's 60 is six cubits wide, six cubits deep, and we have six instruments. What do we have? We have six, six, six. Do you think God is showing us an image or a pattern of the Antichrist who will is doing the same thing that's going to set up an image to himself? All right. We do know that there will be a reemergence of the Babylonian system, all right? A system of total control, all right? Nebuchadnezzar called himself king of kings and lord of lords. He made the people bow down unto him, and if they didn't, they were killed. My God. They were killed because they refused to take on his image. Where else in the Bible do we find 666? Let's go to 1 Samuel. We find it with um, Goliath, Satan's champion. 1 Samuel 17. <clears throat> First Samuel 17, and we're going to run out of time again. My God. First Samuel 17, 4 through 7. What does it say? And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines. Who was he named? Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He, had, he was armed with a coat of of male, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. All right. This was Satan's champion uh, who um, said that he was going to uh, take God's champion. You all know who God's champion was. That was David. <laughs> was out there with his five stones. Uh, Satan's champion Goliath said he was going to go out and he was going to feed David to the birds. Come on, somebody. My God. So Goliath, he was six cubits tall. Uh, he had six 
pieces of armor, and the weight of his spear was 600 shekels. What do we have? We have 666. My God, so we have Satan's greatest military champion identified by the number 666. All right. Uh, do we need to read that again? <clears throat> Some of you may not have caught it. There went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines, who was Goliath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet, number one, of brass upon his hand, and he was armed with a coat of mail, number two, and the, the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had greaves, number three, of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass, number four, between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear, number five, was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head, number six, weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Goliath was six cubits high. He had six pieces of armor, and the weight of his spear was 600 shekels, six, six, six. All right, let's go to Ezra. Uh, this calls for wisdom. All right, Ezra, the second chapter. The hidden man that came out of Babylon. <clears throat> Adonakim. All right, he came out with uh, Zerubbabel. Ezra, the second chapter. And the 13th verse, Ezra, the second chapter, 13th verse, the children of Adonakim, 660 and six. This was a man that came back um, with Zerubbabel, with the wave of those captives that were coming back uh, to Jerusalem. All right, and he's mentioned here, Adonakim, uh, 660 and 6. All right, what does that tell us? It don't tell us nothing because we don't know nothing about Adonakim. <laughs> My God, but maybe that's the clue. Nobody knows who he is, and he's coming out of Babylon. My God, is this a pattern? This is 666 in the Bible. All right. Adonikon is, is translated Adonai. Adonai, which means Lord. Adonikon is translated Adonai, which is Lord. And Cam means enemy or arise. So Adonikim 666 is the Lord of the enemy or the Lord who arises. My God. So somebody is going to come from Babylon. Um, we will not suspect. We don't know who he is, but he's coming. 
uh, and I don't believe God puts numbers in the Bible just by chance. I mean, we, you know, I think everything in the Bible is precise. It's put there for a reason. And he sent us on this search. He said, calls for wisdom. Uh, this number of the beast is also associated with a man. My God. And this is going to be the pattern of the Antichrist. All right. A uh, 666 is mentioned in the Bible three more times, and it's associated with one man. 666 in the Bible is mentioned three more times, and it's associated with one man. All right. He was the perfect leader. He had the perfect kingdom. He had a perfect economy. Um, he had more wisdom than any other man in the world. He had the richest economy. Most of you already know who I'm talking about. Who was that? King Solomon. King Solomon. Surely King Solomon is not associated with 666. Six. Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> every time, every time. And we're going to go through it. Um, my God, um, let's do the first one. Let's do the first one and we'll end it here. Uh, I tried to get up on my bike and go fast tonight. <clears throat> uh, let's go to first Kings. The 10th chapter in verse 14. Let's take a look at God's perfect king. This is the first time 666 in the Bible is associated with King Solomon. <clears throat> All right. First Kings 10 and 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was what? 600 three score and six talents of gold. Six, six, six. Each year, Solomon received, because he was the greatest trader. God, you remember now, this is the man that asked God for wisdom. And that may have been a clue right there in Revelation. It said, this calls for wisdom. It pointed us to Solomon from the very beginning. But I'm not going to give away all the clues. All right. Uh, this is the man uh, that God says, since you didn't ask for riches, you asked for wisdom. Riches are going to come as a result of wisdom. Solomon was such a great trader uh, that he received about $20 million in gold every year. My God. Uh, so why would God put a summary of Solomon's entire economic system in the Bible? And it really don't seem to be tied to anything. Kind of like out of the blue. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 600, three score, and six talents of gold. 
his entire economic system, uh, what he would receive in gold by his trading. Come on, somebody. Uh, the Antichrist, his economic system so that he controls everything. Come on, somebody that's bought and sold. How is it identified? By the number six, six, six. My God. Solomon, God's perfect man. A man of wisdom. This is the first uh, that we're tying him to the number of six, six, six. And before it's all over, we're going to tie him to all other six, six, six. All right, New Grace. May God bless you. I thought we were going to be through this, uh, but we are, we're living this right now. Uh, we have a governmental system that I believe uh, a blind man knows that is corrupt um, morally, ethically, among somebody, just void of any integrity, putting people's lives at risk. Um, and we have a religious system. That is silent. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, going along with this corrupt government, we're living this right now. We have a religious system that's backing up a political leader. Come on, somebody. I don't care how corrupt it is. They're not speaking out against it. They're going along with it 100%. My God. And saints, listen, uh, stay in your word. A lot of people are being deceived. They're being deceived. Amen. And it don't have to be you. My God. The Bible says God can keep us in perfect peace. But we got to keep our minds stayed on God. This calls for wisdom. Come on, somebody. And each and every one of us, we know if we're lacking wisdom, we can ask God. Amen. And who was the wisest man in the world beside God? King Solomon. <laughs> All right, that's all we got time enough for on tonight's thanks. Um, someone here, if you're uh, listening to Bible class on tonight and you want to be saved before it's everlasting too late, uh, give us a call. The Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. It will breathe on you and calls you to speak. Come on, somebody. A language, a tongue that you've never spoke. Nobody taught you. Nobody coached you. When the Holy Ghost comes in, it speaks a new dialect. You don't know yourself, 
but it's proof that God has taken up residency in your life. Amen. That you belong to God and God belongs to you. Uh, if you want to be saved, give us a call. 734-477-6891. 734-477-6891. We have ministers on staff that will pray with you. Uh, that will share with you in the word, will baptize you in Jesus' name, and a great big God that wants to put his image inside you, that you might be his image bearer. My God. And certainly he comes highly recommended. I got somebody said, what a great change has taken place since Jesus has come into my life. If you don't have this experience, give us a call. We'll be glad to serve you. We'll be glad to wait on you, do whatever we can to bring you into the kingdom of God. And God himself will fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other